Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. A few weeks ago, as is my annual post-Thanksgiving custom, I got sick. Too much work, not enough sleep, a body still filled with way too much turkey, dressing, chocolate, and pie. This is my annual recipe for illness. And it happens every single year. In fact, I've already bought all the NyQuil, Excedrin, and Sudafed I'll need for next November. (laughs) Because it is simply true, I will get sick. But this year, I decided to do something a little different. I decided to give thanks to God for my sickness. And that may sound odd, but the truth is, the gift of being sick is that it always makes me do what prayer and Bible study and worship are supposed to make us do, and that's wait before God in weakness pleading for God's mercy, begging for God's grace, and asking God to make us whole. The late Thomas Merton once said that there is no greater disaster in the spiritual life than to be immersed in unreality. And the reality of our situation as human beings is that we are sick. And if we want to be totally honest, we should go ahead and confess that our case is terminal. Now, it may be a slow process of loss and decay, but life simply is a process of loss and decay nonetheless. And that's why it would not be reality to say that we are strong. The reality is always that human beings are poor and helpless and in need of salvation. And that's why the great wisdom of Advent has always been to say that the essence of faith is to wait, to wait for God's mercy, to wait for God's grace, to wait for God to intervene and make us whole. And that's where I see John the Baptist coming from in today's gospel. Weak and vulnerable is just the reality of his condition. We recall last week in our gospel passage that John was confident, secure, and energetic as he preached a message of repentance out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, he shouts. Make his paths straight. Get out of here, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Right, that was the John we saw last week. There's no uncertainty, no doubt, no hesitancy in his voice. But this week, 
John the Baptist is not crying out. In fact, as I picture it, John is just crying. I mean, my God, he is in prison where he awaits execution. Suffice it to say, this is not the way he thought things would end. John has lost everything. His ministry, his following, his freedom, his influence. And if we are going to take today's gospel seriously, John is on the verge of losing his hope. Because whatever it is that John expected Jesus to do, Jesus has not done it. The true Messiah, Isaiah prophesied, would set the prisoners free. But John, he has just been locked up. And so John naturally starts to wonder if Jesus is who he truly claims to be. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another. You may remember the story of Job in the Old Testament. Well, Job, he lost everything in a single day. His family, his wealth, his health, his status. And what Jonathan Edwards once said was that the story of Job is the story of us all. Yes, we experience our losses more slowly, but eventually, we all find ourselves at death's door where we're going to leave everything behind. As St. Paul so eloquently said, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. And that is the reality of the human experience. In time, everything we cling to, we lose. We lose our youthfulness and there's no diet or surgery in the world that can stop it. We have a child or get divorced or change jobs or move cities. And with all that change comes loss, loss of our friends, loss of meaning, loss of routine. And then, of course, there is catastrophic loss. You know, the kind of loss that brings us to our knees and makes us ask the exact same question that John did. Jesus, where are you? I'm in prison here. Are you the Messiah? Will you deliver me from this prison? Or should I be waiting for someone else? Now, please understand, the desired outcome of today's sermon is not for all of us to leave here feeling depressed. Advent is a season of hope. But don't you see, the moment true hope begins is when we find in John the Baptist a spiritual companion. This man who is confused and questioning and weak, and yet still clinging to Jesus in faith, to say, John's story, that is my story too. We acknowledge our loss and our limits and the reality of our weak and vulnerable condition, and from that place, we wait we wait for the gift of God's salvation. You see, Advent reminds us that we live in a very confusing in-between time. Christ's death and resurrection is behind us, and our salvation is already accomplished on the one hand. But on the other hand, the restoration of all things and our resurrection from the dead, not in weakness but in glory, that is something for which we wait. 
And so let us not think that spiritual growth is about being strong and ridding ourselves of weakness so that we need God's grace less. No, it's about embracing the reality of our weakness and dependency so that we understand we need God's grace more. To quote the late Thomas Merton again, he writes, If we know how great is the love of Jesus for us, we will never be afraid to go to him in all our poverty, all our weakness, all our spiritual wretchedness and infirmity. Indeed, whenever we understand the true nature of his love for us, we will prefer to come to him poor and helpless. We will never be ashamed of our distress. Distress is to our advantage when we have nothing to seek but mercy. We can be glad of our helplessness when we really believe that his power is made perfect in weakness. And so let me end this morning by saying this. Advent isn't the liturgical season to try and get spiritually strong. You can make and shortly thereafter break all the resolutions you want starting January 1. Because in Advent, we celebrate the truth that spiritually speaking, we are sick and that we are in need of God's salvation. Now, is that a flattering message? No, that is not a flattering message. That is why Jesus says in today's gospel, blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. It's because he knew that if we understood his proclamation, that offense is the first thing we would feel. You see, if Jesus had come in strength and said, follow me, and I'm going to make you a spiritual champion, and I'll unlock your potential, and together we'll go out there together and we'll save the world, well, that would be a very flattering message. But that is not what Jesus said. What he said was that we need grace and nothing but grace because the reality of our experience is that we are weak and needy and that we cannot save ourselves. And so perhaps an illustration, let's say that on Christmas morning, my wife Emily hands me a gift. And upon opening this gift, I find a book, the title of which is 10 Steps to Becoming a More Thoughtful Husband. <laughs> And so I scratch my head because this book is not on my Amazon wish list. <laughs> I've been very clear that I want earbuds for Christmas. And so I say, Emily, why is it that you have given me this gift? And without blinking an eye, she says, well, obviously because you need it. <laughs> now, if this were to happen, um, this gift would be bad news before it was good news because the gift would reveal a very embarrassing need. And what Advent reminds us is that the cross of Christ is that kind of gift. It reveals our weakness, it reveals our need, it reveals our spiritual poverty, but above all else, the cross redeems all of it, not excuses it, but redeems it making our weakness beautiful and holy and precious in the sight of God, so much so that we believe that God became human, that God took on flesh and blood to share in that weakness with us.
St. Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, once said this, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I know this may sound a little paradoxical, but in today's gospel, we see John the Baptist stronger than he's ever been. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Christ will raise each one of us in strength. That is the essence of our hope. But between now and then, we wait in weakness and in hope and in confidence that God loves raising the dead. And maybe, just maybe, we even thank God for our sickness. For how else could we ever know the unfailing mercy and salvation of God? Amen.